Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing of your words that you've given to us. Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would build us up as a people. Um, well, I'm, I'm weak and I'm nothing, but you're everything. My words are few, but the, the, the word, the living proof, Jesus Christ, is enough. And he has spoken to us in the written word. And Spirit, you can speak to us today about Jesus. You can build us up. You can make us a people more like him. And so we ask that you would be faithful to what you came into this world to do. That you would glorify Jesus. That you would make his name big in our eyes. And that we would go out magnifying him. We pray it in the name of Jesus who has called us in to be his people and who stands in the presence of God right now interceding for us. Amen. Question. Have you ever been so filled with wonder at something that you wanted to sing? It's happened to me. Not, not loads, but it's happened. Um, and depends what you mean. Like In some senses, it happens a lot. Uh, sometimes you have those... Those special moments where you feel so captured by something. So, so I don't know, wowed is an acceptable word for the front of a church. I'm going to make it acceptable just now. There we go. Dispensation. It's not a thing we have. Um, but have you ever had that moment? You know, maybe where something so, so true and so beautiful almost brought you to tears. Okay. I remember... I remember um, there's this version of, uh, of, of 1 Corinthians 13 uh, that, that's sung by a, a woman named Sherry Youngwood. Um, and and, and if, if you think I'm accusing Matt of having a, a girly scripture journal, wait till you listen to Sherry Youngwood and the music I listen to. It's really girly. But, um, but oh, we're going to get so many accusations. That I'm anyway, it's, um, I just remember driving in the car. I think I was in... South, south of Adelaide, north of Victor Harbour, somewhere there, uh, listening to this song. And just, just the words, um, now what are they? Keeps no account of the wrongs suffered. Um, hit me in this fresh and amazing way where I thought, um, love keeps no account of the wrongs suffered. And I pictured the nails going into the hands of Jesus and I just wanted to sing, you know, and I just wanted to cry as well because I thought, wow, you know, he, uh, the, the wrongs that God has had suffered against him by us and he keeps no account. He shows us what love is through his very life. Have you ever had that moment? Not with 1 Corinthians 13 necessarily, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and it's a natural thing that when you see glory, you want to sing about it. Our society doesn't really relate to this very much anymore. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, church, this is one of the reasons church often seems a bit odd to people. And sometimes it feels a bit awkward for us to invite people along to church. Because we sing. It's a bit weird for folks these days. We're not going to stop doing it. Uh, <laughs> um, I, th I think one of the reasons that singing is becoming less common for our society in general is that people lack something wondrous that inspires them to sing. People lack something that is so wowing, there it is again, that, that it drives them to sing about it. But that, and that can't be the case for the church, can it? Right? 
In fact, that reasoning in reverse is exactly, it's exactly what brings us to song every week when we come together here. And for some of us in the car and in the shower and, you know, occasionally when we're washing the dishes, you know, um, because we have seen glory. If you've, if you've been called into the very presence of God by the saving grace of Jesus, you've been called into glory. And that's why we sing. There's, there's my little theology of why we sing, by the way. We've been exposed to something worth singing about, and so we sing. That's the situation, though, that we step into today in, in Luke's gospel. Um, we are, we're coming into this bit where, where uh, the key people that we saw last week, if you're here, if you've listened to it, Luke, uh, not Luke, Mary and Zechariah, uh, these are these two people that God called to believe last week. And in the end, they both did. Zechariah struggled and doubted, but in the end, they believed. And what we see now is that those who believe are driven by the wonder of God's works to sing about it. And not just to sing, to, to speak about it, but I'm jumping the gun here. Mary's going to sing her song. Um, can I borrow that little clicker thingy? Um, Mary's going to sing her song, traditionally known as the Magnificat. Oh, went too far. Uh, that's my favorite thing the internet has ever produced. Um, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Zechariah is going to sing what we call the Benedictus. Actually, the Magnificat, though, it's not nothing to do with cats. That may come as a surprise. Um, it's, it's actually Latin, Magnificat. Uh, it's short. For, it's a, a first word of the, of the Latin line of that first song. It means magnify. And so the song gets its name from this famous first line, which, which in a lot of ways captures the heart of both of these songs and the whole slab of scripture that we're in today. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so I, I, I want to say three things probably briefly today uh, about, about what we get out of this passage. And the first one is that believers magnify. Maybe another way of putting it is salvation leads to magnification. Mary has this amazing blessing of God poured out on her. And in response, she wells up in magnification of God. It means to enlarge God, to, to, to think much of him and to speak of him and to, to see him as big and to want to express that. Uh, it's, not, it's not just a principle, understand here, of duty that we get. Mary doesn't get given this child from God and go, guess I'd better sing about that then. <laughs> it's the natural state of, of her life at that point and of the Christian life is that we are a people who sing of the goodness of what God has done for us. So a people who magnify God. And it doesn't have to be in sung words. I'm not just applying this to singing, and I don't think we should. Those who have received much grace are driven to magnify the giver of that grace. Um, we had a fantastic illustration of this very recently in our world. Um, I'm going to read you some words to a song that was written quite recently. Um, let's give away. Um, and, and I want you to tell me who wrote it. Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I know I won't forget all he's done. He's the strength in this race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness. 
And it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying, Jesus saved me, now I'm saying. And I know, I know God is the force that picked me up. I know Christ is the fountain that filled my cup. I know God is alive. Yes, he has opened up my vision, given me a revelation. This is not about a dead religion. Jesus brought a revolution. All the captives forgiven. Any guesses? Someone's been listening to the album. Mark, who we've just, just ditched, uh, just got it right. Kanye West. Anyone heard of Kanye West? If you were at the prayer meeting last week, at least you've heard of Kanye West. Um, Kanye West was amongst the most blasphemous rappers you could possibly imagine in the world. And recently he's had a very convincing, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing my, my glove in, uh, my, my point in either way as to whether it's legitimate in the same way that I wouldn't for anyone, but he would be baptized in our church in an instant. Let me put it that way. Um, a very convincing conversion. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, I saw it put really well. You know, if Kanye West could possibly think that uh, all he needs to do to be forgiven for a life of misogyny, blasphemy and evil is just to believe in the name of Jesus, then he's absolutely right. And, and, and he's re recently released this album, uh, Jesus is King. Now, this is from the guy who claimed he was the greatest musician that ever lived and who had an album named Jesus, which I believe is a take on the word Jesus uh, in a less positive way. And yet look at the turnaround and look at the way in these words that he's led to, to glorify Jesus because of what he's done for him. This is, this is who we're called to be, not just to people who write songs, but a people who love to speak about what's been done for us. And when you see the glory of what's been done for you, it's hard not to speak about it in a way. And yet often we do, we do get a little bit blind to that. Uh, we get a little bit uh, stuck down. We, we, we fail to see the wonder of it. And, and sometimes we just need to freshly see, wow, you know, what does is, what is Mary say there? Let me get my Bible open. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. He saved me. I can't help but speak about it. And that's, that brings us to number two of the three things that I wanted to say to you today. Number two is that whilst believers are led to magnify, magnifiers share the story of the Saviour in their own life. You have been gifted with God, with a testimony. Not just one testimony, by the way, countless testimonies of the ways that God has graciously poured into your life. Read these words that Mary sings here. We're in verse 46 of chapter 1. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
and holy is uh, sorry for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name there's a so many of those are words that each one of us can faithfully say as Christians i love those words there he who is mighty has done great things you know that that alone is not good news uh, you know god created the world great uh, but i'm still dead in my sin but he who is mighty has done great things for me. You know, you can say that. He's done wondrous things for me. Obviously, the, the, the big thing that he's done for us, if you've believed in Jesus, is that he has drawn us out of sin and death and into life in Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? You know, I know that we get told that all the time. I know that we say that all the time, but there's a reason for that. It's phenomenal. There's more, though, um, and, 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 and I think a lesson we learn here is we, we as a people, we, we should be ready to tell people, to tell those around us, this is how Jesus has, has impacted my life. This is how his glory has come in and changed me. You know, you, the longer you walk in faith, I believe, the, the more you see Jesus transform different parts of your life, the more he comes in. And, and shakes the place up a bit. Paul prays over in Ephesians chapter 3 that we have strength to know the love of Christ. Uh, the reason it takes strength is that the love of Christ transforms you. And it takes strength to get rid of the old and to bring in the new. But we can, that's what I meant when I said we can present any number of testimonies of what God has done in our life. Because he affects different parts of our life and grows us in those areas every day. Your testimony is not just when I was 14 or 20 or whenever I was saved. Your testimony is also, you know, this week I had a, I, I had a, a, an argument with my wife, for instance. And, and, you know, in the middle of that, I suddenly remembered, oh, Jesus has shown me grace. And it, and it changed that moment, that moment that every marriage has, by the way, and, and I was able to turn and repent and to be gracious towards my wife. You know, I'm, I offered that as, a, as, a, as an off-the-top-of-my-head illustration. That's not necessarily something that's happened this week. My memory's not super good at the moment. I was up very late last night, as mentioned. But it probably, to be honest, is something that happened this week. Uh, that's one that we hit a lot. Uh, the revelation of grace in the midst of conflict. The longer you go in this faith, the more you see Jesus transform different parts of your life. And the more diverse then your witness can be to how you've seen glory. You know, this is how he has done great things uh, in my marriage. This is how he has done great things uh, with my use of my time. This is how he's done great things with my depression or with my anxiety or with my health. It's, it's not always just, this is how he healed me of those things. Um, I did not ask Crystal's permission for this, so when she listens to this sermon later, she may, she may pull me up on it. Uh, but, you know, Crystal has struggled a lot with anxiety in the past. Um, and, and although God hasn't completely just withdrawn anxiety from her, she has found comfort and joy and change and, and, and boldness to go on through the gospel, through Jesus next to her in her life. And that's been something that she's been able to testify to uh, like she's got a mate who's, who's not a Christian who really struggles with anxiety and it's created this position where she can say, you know, there's this one thing 
where God has been good to me and shown me how to go on in this. And, and it's, it's that Jesus has saved me and he's given me grace for every day. That's, that's the only way I go on. Yeah? I'm paraphrasing her there. I don't sit and listen to her, to her conversations. But uh, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and ultimately, yes, this is how he's done great things for my eternal destiny. We always want people to believe, to have saving faith. But saving faith then comes in and rattles up the rest of you as well in a great way. Thing number three. So we've got, we've got um, believers magnify. We've got magnifiers share the story of God's work in their life. And then the, the other example we get here is magnifiers share the story of the saviour of the world. Uh, our experience of him in our story leads us to see the nature of God in, in all of creation and what he's doing. And we see that here. This is where we're going to read our biggest slabs of this passage today. Um, in, in verse 50, let me just chuck in there. This is another one of those giant slabs of scripture where if you sit down with your scripture journal, you're going to get loads out of it that we didn't even touch today. Uh, verse 50, Mary, Mary sings, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, can you see that she's moved there? She's no longer just talking about her story. She's talking about the story of what God does, what God is like. He's shown strength with his arm. The, the, the arm of God is an Old Testament picture of the saving one who is coming, and that's Jesus. He's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She, she sees how God has dealt with her and so she, she reflects that out. And, and you know, she's a, she's a young Israelite girl. She's familiar with the scriptures and she knows God is the God. And now she believes it because she sees it in her life. God is the God who raises up the lowly and humbles the proud. God is the God who who rescues. You know, we get um, kind of these two sides to this here. Um, she praises God because he is so high. You know, he is so amazing. He shows strength with his arm. He scatters the proud. But then he pray, she praises him and primarily because not only is he so high, but he reaches down so low that even, even her he would reach down for, even this young virgin of Israel from backwater Nazareth. Yeah. And that, that's our experience as well. God leads us to magnify him, and, and our experience of his saving grace in our life teaches us this is what God's like. We want to tell people about it. Uh, Zechariah writes, we're going we're gonna to jump here to, to verse 76. Apologize, we don't have time to, to address everything in here today. I, I wish we could. This is an amazing passage. He writes, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from 
on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, pick that little chunk of this song because that really characterises what Zechariah's song is about. His one is much more just this praising God for what he's like and what he's done. It's a, he gets Mary hits the personal a lot more. Zechariah hits the big plan of God a lot more. Um, but isn't it interesting? Even as Zechariah, you know, he's singing in response to the to the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, but even as he sings in response to that, he cannot help in anticipation of that. He can't help but praise the wonder of the one that John leads the way for. Jesus was coming. And he would bring God's tender mercy in the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that? He's just got phenomenal truth. He can't hold it in. And for us, this picture of Jesus as the sunrise, uh, which of course is that, that one that we talked about last week. He steals it from, borrows it from Malachi 4, the, the, some of the word, last words of the Old Testament, the sunrise will visit us from on high. It's just so apt for us, though, isn't it? That the picture of Jesus has the sun rising. You know, before Jesus was in our lives, it really was like we were in a dark, cold night. We've had some dark, cold nights here recently, haven't we? I mean, they're all dark, but it's been... Being cold, unseasonably cold here on your peninsula. Um, the cold wind's been blowing. Imagine you sat out in it for the whole night. That's that's our illustration we get here of what we were like when we were in our sin, when we were in darkness, and the sunrise visits us. Have you ever sat and watched the sunrise and been cold and felt the warmth of the sun on your skin for the first time in hours and hours? It's such a beautiful thing. When Jesus come, came in, dealt with our sin, brought us near to the Father, it's kind of like for the very first time you felt the warmth of the sun on your skin. Thawing the cold, filling you with wonder. And so we are led as a people to magnify the beauty, the wonder of the sunrise, of our God, of Jesus who has shown us grace and mercy. I hope this isn't just something that we, that we hear on a Sunday and we smile about. Um, I know many years of my life, that was my tendency. Um, and it's always a struggle, I think, for us as we walk out of a church. You know, Maybe you found this word encouraging today, I don't know, but... Uh, it's so easy even to hear a very encouraging word and to walk out and just trundle along. Go, was a good one? Anyway, better go pick up the shopping. But, but like, can you see that there's transformation here? And not, not, in, not in, in me and what I'm saying, in what Jesus has done for us and what he's like towards the world around us, that he comes to lift up the lowly, that he comes to forgive sins, that he comes to, to humble the proud, Kanye West, another great use of him as an illustration there. What a proud guy. Flattened, you know? Not flattened, but brought down in humility before God such that he's not praising Kanye anymore. He's praising Jesus. This, this drives us out, and I hope it drives us out. I pray it drives us out. 
we're gonna we're gonna do communion now. Um, communion. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna share in this bread and this juice, and this is just the reminder of the glory that we've seen. That that Jesus died to rescue us. You know, John's gospel says at the start there. Um, it's not going to be easy here. This is the Luke Scripture Journal. Um, he says, uh, "No one has ever seen God. Uh, the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known." Jesus came down and he showed us the glory of God that we could never have seen. And, and in the body and the blood of Jesus, we've been drawn into that. So I invite you, uh, come up in your time, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice. Remember, Jesus died for your sin and he is risen and he reigns. And, uh, yeah, go out, believe in it. Um, yeah, I'll pray. And then whenever you're ready. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the body and the blood. Oh, Lord, let us love and sing and wonder. Every day of our lives, not just today, let us be a people who wonder at what you've done for us and who express that wonder in joy. Lord, if, we've, if, if anyone's taken one of those joy to the world things, we ask that in the moment that we hand that to someone, it wouldn't be a, oh, I guess you should come to church. It should be a, you know, there's joy here for me. We Christians, we're incessant. We, we, we keep going on about this because it's so good. Nothing else is like it. Lord, let us be a people who are filled with the joy of what you've done for us a people who are so wrapped in believing in the God that we have believed in. And like Dad reminded us earlier on, it's not about the faith that we have, but about the one that we believe in. People who are so wrapped with you that we magnify you. We rejoice in the God of our salvation towards everyone that we can. Lord, please bless this bread and this juice to us now as a reminder, as a celebration, as a repentance from sin, and as a turning to you in joy. Send us out as a people to declare your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.